Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is Dr. Victor Moroz, a Synopsys Fellow engaged in a variety of projects on leading edge modeling design technology co-optimization. He has published more than 100 technical papers and over 300 U.S. and international patents. Victor has been involved in many technical committees and is currently serving as an editor of IEEE Electron Device Letters. Welcome to the podcast, Victor. Thank you, Dan. Happy to join your famous podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so just a personal question to start off. What initially brought you to the semiconductor industry? Do you have an interesting story you can share? Uh, curiosity. I think uh, in the 80s when I was uh, you know, looking uh, what to do, where to go, uh, semiconductors uh, sounded new, interesting, and cool. And maybe it's not dissimilar to how my parents got into hydropower generation because that was you know the, the big thing at that time. And like their parents were into railroads because that was cool. Uh, <laughs> at that time. Right. Yeah, that's a familiar story. My father was an aviator, uh, uh, Air Force pilot. So electronics was always a big part of our lives. Right. And uh, my brothers and I all joined the semiconductor industry, as a matter of fact. So what brought you to Synopsys and the position you have today? Uh, uh, acquisitions. Uh, I was uh, in a startup, Technology Modern Associates, and then we went public, and then we got acquired by Avanti, and then, you know, Synopsys, eventually. Uh, so, it's, for me, it was the same team for 20-something uh, years, uh, but different companies. Uh, so, uh, I think what's interesting in Synopsys is that now we have the whole span uh, going from atoms to circuits. Yeah, you know, I actually worked for Avante, uh, and I was there when we acquired technology modeling. I'm, maybe we ran into each other. I, I don't recall, but uh, the EDA okay. certainly has changed. Yep, big time. Yeah. So let's talk about DRAM. Um, what DRAM issues, just on a high level, what DRAM issues are we facing today? Uh, many, but maybe the main one is scaling. Uh, basically, the uh, current 6F square bit cell architecture is running out of uh, scaling potential uh, and the periphery is also uh, resistant to scale because you need larger transistors for, in, in a peripheral uh, circuitry to, to be reproducible and stable. Uh, so periphery becomes bigger portion of the um, of the cheap area and that is not helping. Right. So how is Synopsys helping uh, solve some of these challenges? Uh, for example, let's, let's start with DRAM cell leakage analysis. Yeah, so for DRAM, uh, one of the parameters is the retention time, how long the, the entire uh, array of, of, of bit cells can hold the, the right uh, signals and leakage uh, 
is the limiting factor for that, uh, for retention time. And the leakage comes from several different components. Transistor has several different leakage mechanisms. Um, the uh, storage cap capacitor also has some leakage. Fortunately, it's not as that leakage for the capacitor is not as bad as for the transistor, but it's still an issue that you have to monitor. Uh, so uh, for, for the uh, storage capacitor, we have to bring atomistic analysis with first principles where you, because the dielectrics, they are fairly complicated. So it's, it's a very involved uh, mat uh, material uh, engineering, how to build dielectric with the you know, good electrical uh, permittivity, okay, but not leaky. And that's, uh, that's a tricky uh, you know, part of design. For transistor, what we find is that uh, the way people design transistors now, like a saddle shape, uh, arcade, um, you by design minimize all the fundamental leakage mechanism for, uh, for the transistor. But uh, whenever you have some uh, variations where your dopants in the, in the drain junction are close to the traps at the interface, then you get a problem and, and higher leakage. So it's all about finding those rare cases and, and, and making sure they do not happen um, often enough to ruin your yield and retention time. So basically, we need to dive into details of the uh, retention time distribution, leakage distribution. And, uh, you know, deep tail means like six sigma or, or above, which would involve, you know, really huge number of, of computations if you do it in a brute force. So uh, the solution here is we bring machine learning uh, that helps you to leapfrog into the details of distribution without, uh, you know, being stuck in too much uh, computations. Ah, understood. What about row hammer effects? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that is and then uh, how we're addressing those challenges. Yeah, that's an interesting side effect of DRAM memory that some hackers famously uh, found how to exploit. Um, so basically what people do is, uh, and, and I think that, that there are some scripts you can download from the web that can you know, show it to you on your phone, <laughs> how it works. So uh, basically because the adjacent uh, bit cells are so densely packed, there is a, a short distance between them. And there is unfortunately some coupling uh, through the dielectric that separates adjacent cells. And that coupling gives you some leverage uh, when you have like aggressor uh, cell and aggressor row and the victims. Um, and when we do this analysis, you know, for specific structure of the bit cell, you can see uh, how strong is that coupling. If you push them far away, then, you know, the problem disappears, but then you're your density is gone, right? So you have to find a balance where it's dense enough, but not too vulnerable. And when we do analysis for typical DRM uh, designs, we see that when aggressor row is being uh, switched repeatedly, each of those switches uh, uh, moves about one 
close to one electron on average in the victim cell. So if you do, and, and, and because you scale everything, there are not millions of transistors anymore, there are just thousands. So if you hammer it repeatedly, consistently, thousands of times, you can flip the neighbor. And that's what the hackers were exploiting to, to you know, hijack things. What about hybrid bonding technology analysis? Yeah, that's an interesting thing because, as I mentioned before, one of the big issues now in DRAM is that periphery uh, becomes increasingly a big portion of the uh, chip area, and and you know that diminishes you know where your uh, array is. So one solution for uh, memory that is working in 3D NAND is that people put periphery in a separate chip and then attach it uh, like a, a stack, <clears throat> stack the, the 3D NAND array and, and periphery as separate chips. But, but there it's easier because the access time is very much slower than for DRAM. So you can use cheaper technology for the bonding uh, with bumps and stuff that uh, can handle the, the, the right timing span. For DRAM, it has to be much faster. So, so standard uh, bonding technology is not good enough. There's, uh, you know, you, those bumps give you too much parasitic capacitance and too much uh, delay. So uh, here you have to use hybrid bonding, which means you have just uh, oxide surface with copper uh, wires coming to the surface, uh, ready to connect to the copper wires in, in the next chip. Uh, and this is really a tricky process because uh, when you start the bonding, the copper has to, to be, uh, you know, uh, recessed. It cannot touch each other. The bonding actually happens oxide to oxide. So that interface, oxide to oxide interface, is going through some special surface preparation uh, technology, and we use atomistic analysis to help the industry um, uh, engineer what kind of surface preparation to do to have enough bonding oxide to oxide. And then when you when you do the bonding and you heat, heat it up, then the copper expands and has some interesting effects with copper moving towards each other and connecting later. So first you connect the oxides, bond that, and then you have copper expanding and connecting. And then when you cool it down, you have uh, oxide uh, bonded and, and copper connected, and then you're happy. That's interesting. What about analysis of mechanical stress and wafer warpage for next generation 3D RAM? Yeah. Uh, so uh, as we discussed before, 6F square uh, bit cell architecture is running out of steam in terms of scaling. So the next step people are considering is 4F square, where you put your transistor instead of saddles uh, shape. Uh, you know, driver transistor, you put transistor into the, the same pillar where your capacitor is. Um, so uh, that's tricky. Uh, that wasn't done. In a way, it's a gate all around, but it's a vertical channel. So even in logic, it wasn't done. So it's it's very tricky process, but that's what people have to do to keep scaling DRAM to, to 4F square. And after that, the next big step would be 3D DRAM. Uh, which would be somewhat similar to 3D NAND, but big difference is that for 3D NAND, uh, you can get away with polysilicon channel. For DRAM, it's impossible because in polysilicon grain boundaries, 
you would have leakage. So whenever the grain boundary happens uh, close to drain junction, no, the game is over. Your transistor is leaking. You don't have retention time for your memory cells. So you have to use clean, uh, high-quality monocrystalline silicon. And the way to achieve it is to, to have layers of silicon and silicon germanium, uh, with silicon germanium being sacrificial layers that can be removed later, but they help to keep the, the silicon lattice propagating, right? So you need germanium for selective uh, etching, but it, it hurts you because it has bigger lattice size, and that uh, deforms uh, the, the, the wafer. So when you have hundreds of those silicon-silicon-germanium alternating layers, there is enough stress to start warping the wafer and, and creating dislocations. And that's something that our mechanical stress analysis tools help industry to, to, to engineer how to have enough of such layers but, but not have uh, too much war, uh, wafer warpage and, and defect formation. All right. So Victor, what are the next steps in DRAM technology? I think you already mentioned it's uh, the, next, the next step would be 4F square uh, cell architecture and uh, staking the periphery and, and, and array as separate chips through hybrid bonding. Those are really big challenges, but uh, they're probably going to be done uh, not at the same time, just to, to, <laughs> to stagger it a little bit. And after that, the 3D DRAM. Hopefully, hopefully people can find a way to, to, to grow those hundreds of layers uh, without too much defects through some engineering and, and optimization. Right. And what are the next steps for Synopsys DRAM uh, tools and methodologies? Oh, uh, make sure industry is equipped to, to solve those you know, new issues that, that are popping up to, to keep moving forward. Great. Victor, as great discussion, I'm very pleased to meet you. And um, I'm looking forward to our next uh, discussion when the next opportunity arises. Sure. Thank you, Dan. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.